I have the privilege of finishing Christmas once and for all. Just kidding. <laughs> the last Christmas. Let me just get situated. So, I have never given birth, let alone been pregnant, so I am by no means an expert. But I scoured the internet for three weeks looking for the perfect story to start my sermon, and there's one thing I learned, that a mom has no control when that baby comes. When the baby comes, it comes. It just... And they will come in the worst places and at the worst time. I found this story that I thought was particularly funny. A young woman by the name of Janice was pregnant. And on a Sunday, her and her husband were watching TV, and she had some gas pain. Yes, she thought, well, it could be the baby, but she wasn't due for another few weeks. And it didn't hurt as much as she thought it would which every mom who had a really painful pregnancy is now hating the Janice. But it didn't hurt as much as she thought it would, and she refused to believe that it actually was contractions. But her husband and her decided to time these gas pains, and it was two minutes apart and one minute apart, 30 seconds. She trotted off to the bathroom to investigate, and lo and behold, she was crowning. They called the doctor, hopped in the car, and started driving for the hospital. They got about halfway there when they got stuck at a red light, and she knew, nope, it is now. They pulled off into the gas station, and there she had that babe boy in the middle of the gas station parking lot. They looked over to their left, and there was a police officer chilling, grabbing a donut, I'm sure. Her husband ran out of the car to go get help, and she opens her door, holding her newborn baby boy, umbilical cord still attached. She looked to the lady next to her at the pump, and she said, look, I just had a baby. <laughs> Can you imagine her face? <laughs> ah. I thought that was funny. So I had to share. It has nothing to do with Revelation, but I had to share. Babies come at the worst time and the worst place. I was given this nativity scene from my father the first Christmas Seth and I were married. And for the last five years, it's been the only Christmas decoration that we've even owned until this year. We got our very first Christmas tree. It was very exciting. It looks like it's right out of a magazine because we don't have kids yet. And you need them to make those adorable ornaments. So for now, it just looks photoshopped. But thankfully, some people have gifted us ornaments, and it's starting to look more real. But this nativity scene has been my sole Christmas possession for many years. Don't they look beautiful? And tranquil and peaceful, and they kind of have a little faceless expression, but they look at peace. And as you really read Revelation 12, our verse for this Sabbath, you kind of get a picture that it wasn't as peaceful as it looks like in my nativity scene. 
I think I pressed the wrong button. I don't know what to do. Anyways, turn to your books in your Bibles, not just your books, they're special. Revelation 12, verse 1 to 4. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. And, oops, I think I'm going backwards. Thank you. That's what the hand signals are for. (laughs) Then I witnessed in heaven another event of great significance, and I saw a large red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns on their heads. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. He stood there in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. See? Not tranquil and beautiful like my nativity scene. It needs a dragon. This is the only dragon I can find. I'm sorry it's not red and doesn't have seven heads. Thank you, Lisa. But now my nativity scene is more accurate. We needed a dragon. See, it's, it wasn't tranquil. It wasn't calm and beautiful. It was stressful. It was hectic. It was dangerous. Matthew tells us that. Oh, I skipped ahead. Matthew chapter 2 tells us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem during the reign of King Herod. Now, who is this King Herod fellow? Well, he's not Herod, the same Herod we see in Jesus, at Jesus' crucifixion. Herod the Great is actually his father. Now, Herod the Great was an incredible ruler. He hmm, was a political genius, to say the least. He made a couple mistakes early on in his career defending somebody who he shouldn't have defended. That somebody lost, which should have meant that Herod would have lost everything and probably have been killed. But instead, Herod trotted right into the leader of the time's palace and said, Hey, look, I made a mistake, but at least I'm faithful. And that leader, instead of killing him on the spot, said, Here, why don't you be king of Judea? And that is how Herod became the ruler of Israel at the time. So he kind of was a bold political leader. And beyond just becoming the king of Judea, he became, he got more and more territory added to him, like Palestine and Jordan and the eastern borders of Lebanon and Syria. He had one of the biggest kingdoms at the time. And with it, he became one of the wealthiest peoples at the time. He was so wealthy that he uh, was the host of the Olympic Games. He was so wealthy that he was able to fund all of his architectural endeavors. That's one of the things Herod the Great is the most known for, is all the incredible things that he built. I'm going to skip ahead here. Oops, too far. So this is not the temple, because as you can see in the background of this picture, there's a door that is the same size as the temple. So this is a model of the temple, but this is a model of the temple that Herod built. It was way bigger and way more grand than the temple at the time. So Herod was a practicing Jew, but he was not actually a Jew. 
which made all the Jews hate him even more because he looked like a fake Jew to them. And so to kind of make them happy, he would build them stuff like this temple. He also built this aqueduct that was 15, I think 15 kilometers long, which is quite impressive because you can't have too much slope and you can't have any increase, right? And it spanned for 15 miles and parts of it is still standing today. And he also funded the building of palaces and temples. This is his own palace um, in the city of Herodian that he named after himself. This hill is man-made, this mountain, really. People carried baskets of dirt to make that mountain so that he could build his temple, his, not his temple, his palace on it. Isn't that impressive? Can you imagine carrying buckets of dirt, five-gallon pails, maybe, to build that? That's a lot of dirt. But the whole purpose of this temple not temple, I keep saying temple, palace, is so that he could have a place to escape to if Israel ever overthrew him. It sits just a few miles outside of Jerusalem and is only three miles from Bethlehem. So Jesus was born with Herod's stronghold Jerusalem being about 15 kilometers, I think, from Bethlehem, and then this only three miles? That's not very far. The dragon was really there, ready to devour Jesus. And the, to think that he needed a second place to escape to tells us a little bit about Herod's character. I'm going to skip ahead because I put this in the wrong order. So Herod was prone to vilest and jealous attacks, with his, which his sister used to her own advantage. She manipulated Herod to think that his second wife, his most beloved wife, was trying to overthrow him and take his power. He ended up killing her, her two sons, which were also his sons, her mother, her brother, and her grandfather, because he was jealous. And here is the situation in which our Christ was born. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. About this time, wise men came from eastern lands, arriving in Jerusalem, right where Herod is, as luck would have it. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star rise, and we have come to worship him. Of all the places they could have come to look for Jesus, they come where this paranoid king is, a king who's trying to be the king of the Jews, but will never be because he's not a Jew, and they will never accept him as their king. And so these people come and ask, where is the king of the Jews? A name that is only ever given to Jesus again at the cross. I thought that was cool to note. So where is the king of the Jews? King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone else in Jerusalem. 
That was a point I had never really realized before. I knew Herod was paranoid, but I never realized that even Israel didn't want their king. Maybe Israel realized how precarious their situation was. And I reference or think of the time when the high priest's father-in-law says, it is better for one man to die than a whole nation. Perhaps they already felt that way. But lo and behold, they were not happy with him. Herod called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers and the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be a shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time which the star appeared. And he told them, go to Jerusalem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over a place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the baby, the child and his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and gave treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it came time to leave, they returned to their country from a different, on a different route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. You see what I'm saying? He was literally born with a dragon ready to devour him. After the wise men had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. Get up and flee to Egypt with the child and its mother. So stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. That night, Joseph left Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. And Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill the boys in Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based upon the wise men's report of the star. Herod's brutal, action, brutal actions fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah. Weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are all dead. It wasn't calm, and this dragon doesn't look nearly ferocious enough. But Jesus was born into a world already under attack.
This was the situation Christ was born into. It wasn't a peaceful nativity scene. Yes, there was probably some cute lambs. I've always wanted a lamb. Maybe a donkey and a camel. There was presents. We know that for sure. But it wasn't quite peaceful. There was always a dragon ready to devour this child. His birth was foretold for thousands of years prior to this. And the devil was ready, waiting for him. That dragon, beyond Herod the Great, beyond Jesus' time in the wilderness being tempted. There were always snares. There was always somebody trying to ensnare Christ. Many times through the selfishness of his own people, Israel. Through the maneuvering of the Father and the Holy Spirit, each one, each time, Jesus was able to skirt the dragon's clutches. That is the entire point of Revelation. Revelation 4, he swept his tail away, one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth, and he stood ready to in front of the woman, ready to devour her newborn baby. And the woman gave birth to a son, ready to rule with an iron scepter. But that child was caught away up to God and his throne. That is the point of Revelation 12. That is the point of Revelation altogether and our nativity scene here. That Jesus is victorious. That even though he was born, attacked, and hunted, he always remained true. He is still worthy to sit on the throne. He's still that worthy lamb. He's still the promised king. And that is why our nativity scenes today can look peaceful. Because knowing that we have that child that that child was victorious, can give us peace. God, thank you so much for sending your son. And thank you for the stories throughout the Bible that tell us about him and that the same message rings true every time, that Jesus is victorious. God, I ask that no matter how many times we hear the story, we grow more and more to believe that truth every day. Because that is the truth that sets us free. Amen.